So what kind of phone do you have? I have an iPhone 6. I have an iPhone. My husband has a Pixel. I have a really cheap-ass Moto phone. I am an iPhone user. Samsung Galaxy S10. Are you aware of the green and blue bubble controversy? Yes, the very unfortunate green bubble. Oh, yes, yes, I'm very familiar with that. I'm aware of it, too. One of my friends has an Android, and it's really annoying because he does group chats, and every now and then, like, I'll miss a message, and I'm like, you damn Android phone. I see that green bubble. Honestly, I'm less enthusiastic to respond to the person. Certain iPhone users feel that we're, like, not on the same level. If I'm honest, my preference for the blue bubble is entirely aesthetic. I feel safer if it's a blue message. Sometimes he doesn't receive group chats. They think that we're like inferior because we have like an Android. But my battery power is twice as long. Everybody I know who has an iPhone. Because as an iPhone user, green bubbles are no good. So when I see a green bubble, it's a sign of trouble. Hello and welcome to Why Did You Push That Button, a show where Caitlin Tiffany Hello. and Ashley Carmen, that's me, examine all the choices technology forces us to make. We're back, baby. Oh my gosh. Season four. Season four. Holy moly. This is where things start to crumble. (laughs) And everyone's like, they should have called it quits while they were ahead. (laughs) It's true. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for listening. So today, Caitlin, I have a story for you. Oh my God. Thank God. As everyone knows, I'm aggressively single and I am back on the dating apps. And recently I went to our favorite taco spot and I met this guy from Hinge and on my way to the date, the guy messaged me on Hinge to confirm that we were still on. And I was like, yeah, for sure, like still down. And then I sent him my phone number to be like, also if anything comes up, text me. So then fast forward a few hours, it's, I'm on my way, I'm in the Uber to the date and I get another message on Hinge from the guy that says, hey, I'm sitting at the bar. I gave this dude my phone number. Why is he still using the dating app? We all know that's just annoying. He's afraid of phone numbers. Yeah, I was like, I don't want to be in the app. Like, this is so weird. So I get to the bar and I see him. We are chatting and whatever. And he's like, so I need to tell you something. I have an Android phone. (laughs) No, he did not say it like that. He did. He was telling you your pet hamster was dead. He did. He did. He was like, I have an Android phone. (laughs) And I was like, okay. And he's like, yeah, and that's why I didn't message you off the app because I've previously messaged women off the app before I tell them I have an Android phone. And then they end up ghosting me or telling me, see see you later because they don't want to text someone with a green bubble. Oh, my God. uh, Okay, does he know for sure that that's why they ghost? He's pretty sure that's why. This seems unscientific. Who knows? But the point still stands that he was afraid to text me because he thought I would judge his green bubble. Wow. All of this leads me to say that our first episode of the season, we are talking about why iPhone users judge people who have green bubbles, a.k.a. Android users or non-iPhone users. Why do we judge them? So just to be clear, what I'm talking about here is that if you have an iPhone, when you get a text from another iPhone user, it's blue. And when you get a text from someone who's not on an iPhone, so like an Android device or something like that, it's green. There has been a lot of documentation of this phenomenon where iPhone users think less of people who show up as a green bubble. It's been in memes, written pieces, stand-up, all over the place. It's just a running joke of the world at this point. (laughs) So, Caitlin, have you ever experienced anything like this? Or, like, what? where do you come down with blue and green and all of that? Okay, 
I am loath to come off as an Apple fanboy because I know The Verge gets enough criticism for that as it is. But the thing is, the green of the green bubble is really hideous and distracting. And on top of that, like very hard to read. I find Mm -hmm. it harder to read the text. I don't know if I judge people who have green bubbles, but I've also never been in a position of having like a a person I was dating text me and have it be revealed that they had a green bubble. Like maybe that would shock and startle me. I don't know. But we didn't return to the, this dude who was afraid that you would judge him if you saw the green bubble. Was his fear founded? Would you have judged him? This is tough. Because I used to have a Samsung, and I remember when I switched to the iPhone, multiple people, close friends of mine, noted. They were like, oh, my God, finally you've switched. Finally. And I was like, yo, this is not that big of a deal. Like, they were acting as if I was, like, this person they never wanted to associate with. And now that I switched, they could at long last embrace me as their friend. I do remember being a Samsung user and having a lot of difficulty messaging iPhone users because of emoji. So Apple has its own emoji and Samsung has different emoji. And so whenever Apple people would get their updates with all the new emoji, if they texted me with a new emoji, I'd have to Google. It would just show up as a blank box. I'd have to copy and paste it into Google to see what emoji they were trying to use. Emoji is important to the message. That's actually a huge reason I switched. Wow. Yeah. But would I have judged... I don't think so. Like, I probably would have been a little bit upset that I can't see them typing or that it's been sent. But, like, it's just a text, I think. I don't know. I think it would be bad for the long-term health of a relationship. (laughs) So immediately, no, I'm not going to judge. But, like, if we're we're talking some, like, future here, we might have to have a little discussion. Not being able to see the typing bubble, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. I or, love a typing bubble. That's, like, a little thrill that's hard to come by exactly. in day to And what if you want to use red receipts for something or share location? <laughs> anyway, so this whole situation made me kind of look in the mirror and be like, am I part of the problem? Even though I don't think I would judge. I haven't really been tested properly. <laughs> I do get upset when I have to group text with my family. So, like— I know it could bother me. I do also want to point out, though, that this episode is super U.S.-centric because in the U.S., iPhones are really popular, especially Mm -hmm. with people our age. Androids are the dominant phone OS around the world, by far, actually. Right. Right. And around the world, they don't use iMessage. They're happy to use Messenger or WhatsApp or every other—every country has what they like to use. So this is a strictly U.S. problem. Okay, something like 82% of American teenagers have iPhones, so we could just say this is our teen episode. This is a teen-centric episode. I also want to bring up here that in the course of this reporting, we've heard people refer to Android phones as like, quote-unquote, like poor people's phones. And I don't like that line of logic. It's not true, actually. Like this guy that I went out with had the new Pixel. And that thing is really expensive. Yeah. It's definitely worth more than my crappy success. So it's also just a meme in general that like AirPods were like mm-hmm. the for rich people meme. Mm-hmm. Like, And if you had headphones with wires, it was like because you were poor. I think that's as much a joke about Apple fans being like elitist yeah. as it is yeah. a snobby joke about. Yeah. We're just putting it out there that we don't think this. Yes. Okay. So Obviously, this is such a widespread cultural problem that it took us no effort at all to find someone who'd been deeply affected by it. Hi, I'm Jelani Carter. I'm an associate producer of the Vox Media Podcast Network. He brought his friend Lorenzo into the studio. Hi, I'm Lorenzo Batista. I am a freelance writer and graphic designer. We talked about the horrible time in their friendship during which Lorenzo owned 
an Android phone and with a green bubble and was not permitted to participate in the group chat. We would make plans without him just to not text him. Yeah. We would have to hit up his brother who has an iPhone and be like, yo, we're, we're going to go out to Lorenzo. Jelani recognizes that this is not the best character trait for a friend, but he really just cannot look at a green text for anyone and he won't do it. Just the dynamic is all off. It's like the lime green is just so gross to look at. And like it pops up as like a weird like SMS message and like it just doesn't it doesn't translate well. Lorenzo was a surprisingly good sport about all of this. You get so used to it. It's been like seven years I've had an Android phone. So at first, you know, it's a little offensive. But other than that, like (laughs) you get over it and you just kind of get used to it early. He really did miss out on a lot of digital friendship time. A lot of the time they're like, oh, they have inside jokes and stuff. And like they just be like, oh, yeah, that was in the group chat. I just be like, oh. Well, <laughs> I guess I just like, have to oh, sit here. It's like, oh, God, we got to send a text message over to Lorenzo. He's going to react to this like seven days late. Yeah. You know? Or we try to like send him like a meme or like a gif and it just, it just it wouldn't play. Much like Ashley's sad hinge date, Lorenzo says he frequently got ghosted because of his green bubble. There are a lot of times like Tinder, for example, I'd be on it and, you know, I'd get a number and immediately like I just get ghosted just off of the strength of just having the green. It's like, oh, wow, this is just the first message and like this happens. Basically, Apple has created this creepy nationwide cult around not only its products, but also the features of its products, including the color of its text messages. It was just always one of those like status things. Like back in like, I guess like middle school, early high school, when all the cool kids had sidekicks, like once yeah. the iPhones came out and all the like people in our high school had iPhones, it was just like, if you didn't have iPhone, like you weren't popping. Lorenzo was finally convinced to buy an iPhone, but he says it has nothing to do with the green bubble and that he truly didn't even care that the green bubble was ruining all of his relationships. It wasn't really like, oh, I was left out of the group chat. It was more like, sure. Okay, yeah. I mean, part of it was definitely the blue. Like, at some point in time, you kind of get tired of, like, not being inside of group chats. Nevertheless, the story has a very happy ending. It was an immediate text. First, it was Jelani. I was like, I got an iPhone. He's like, oh shit, it's like, it's the blue. Nothing made me happier (laughs) to see that green message turn blue. I was so ecstatic. I was like, let's go. Added all the homies to that group chat. It's just more convenient. Yeah, it's yeah. just it's just way more convenient. You could do a lot more stuff. FaceTiming is like easier now. We could do group group FaceTime, sending gifts and everything. It's just yeah. I feel like it's more inclusive, low key. Like just feels right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something about it feels right. Yeah. That's exactly. basically what it is. Even now that he's a proud iPhone owner, Lorenzo says he'll never forget his time as a green bubble and he would never judge somebody who was still there. No, I think it's not as bad as it. Like, the blue is really pleasant to the eyes, and I think Apple, ha- there's no way they don't do it on purpose. <laughs> Even in screen, like, when you take screenshots of it, it's like, it's just as bad. Yeah. But it's not as bad, like, as, it's not as bad, really. I just don't believe it. Oh, my God. But you said that's why you won't judge them, because you lived it. I did live it, but I also just feel like the judgment part doesn't take effort, but you have to definitely be like, all right, like, we're going to do this, like, We can get past this together. Like, it's kind of like you pump yourself up. And I feel like Lorenzo right now is acting like it's no big thing. Pretty soon, he's going to have to start giving himself pep talks. So you're saying it's like an irresistible impulse, which I think means we need to dig even deeper. Wow, you set me up. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. So I actually put a call out. I know we didn't have to go far. Like, truly, we could have asked anyone in this 
Vox Media building if they have opinions on this and every single person would. But I was like, let's put it on the Instagram and see what people have to say. And Lauren found me. I'm Lauren. I'm an art history student in California. Lauren says she doesn't like to text people who have Android phones because it messes up her entire iMessage experience. And she doesn't know what to expect or whether her messages are even being read. Previously, that with other friends who have Androids, my messages weren't always reliably going through or when I would receive messages, they'd be broken up into chunks. And sometimes those chunks would be in different places. And so reading a cohesive message wasn't easy. That leaves a lot of room for miscommunication. So one thing I really loved about talking to Lauren was that she's in school and it brought me back to the days when I had to coordinate with other students on class projects, which I kind of hated. And she says that the blue and green dynamic continues into class projects and she refuses to use iMessage with people on Android. So she always forces her groups to switch to messaging apps. So I've had a couple like group projects for class where everyone has not an iPhone. And it's really annoying because again, I'm not sure if my class stuff is getting through. I will use Instagram or Snapchat or anything else. I don't give them the option. I just start doing it. And since I'm only sending Messenger now, they kind of have to adapt or just not include me in the group. And since that's not an option, they have to kind of switch over. However, sometimes the messaging app choice is out of her control, and when this happens, she says she just has to ignore the green bubbles in her iMessage and try to keep on keeping on like everything is fine and normal. Depending on the situation, I've just had to go with it, and it just felt really clunky and wasn't cohesive. And I didn't like it, but I had to push through it. So what was kind of interesting to me about Lauren's story is that She's similar to Jelani and Lorenzo in that she actually cares about the product experience, which I did not expect. Mm -hmm. I didn't think they would have fruitful conversation around product. But you know what? I underestimated. (laughs) That is my fault. Okay. I do feel like there really is something about the color. Yes. I still really think that Apple did some kind of crazy research into color swatches and landed on this green specifically because it does something to our brains. Yeah. Okay, because Lauren's point, like, that it makes things more difficult functionally is, like, a reason to prefer iMessage, but it's not a reason to judge a green bubble. There we go. So what we're going to do is when we come back from this break, we're going to have Sarah Allred, a psychologist at Rutgers who specializes in color perception on the show. She's going to tell us about the impact color can actually have on our psyche and specifically with iMessage. All right, so we are back. And Caitlin, you might remember some time ago, we had a nice phone convo with Sarah Allred, psychologist at Rutgers, about color. Yes, I remember. And before we got into all that iMessage stuff, Sarah established for us that color is very important to humans, and it's part of the reason we have survived for all these centuries. Most scientists believe that we evolved the particular kind of color perception that we did 
in order to give us important information about objects in the world. And it's likely that over the course of our evolutionary history, our ancestors needed this information in order to survive. So color can tell us about the location or identity of objects, but color can also tell us important information about the quality of objects, not just their identity. Scientists know that color is important, but it's a little unclear how specific colors affect emotion. There's only some consensus around some colors. So this idea that humans might have universal and innate emotions associated with different colors is out there in the literature, but it's a little bit less well accepted. But for the people that endorse that view, the argument is if there are certain objects that always evoke particular emotions, and those objects are always a particular color, then we would have an innate emotion associated with that color as well. But there are a couple of cases where this seems pretty clearly to be true. So there's pretty much a universal distaste for colors that are sort of dark yellow, dark green, getting towards brown, colors that are normally associated with things like vomit and poop. Everybody hates that. Blue is a nice color, though. And there's also a pretty much a universal like of a sort of desaturated blue, like the blue of iMessage. Um, And that's because that's associated with things like sky and water and things that are calming and relaxing. But there's got to be something here because Jelani and Lorenzo both acknowledged the color of the green messaging bubble being unpleasant to look at. And Sarah had an idea of why that could be. I think that it's because it's so artificial in a sense. Like that amount of saturation and brightness just doesn't happen in nature. That color green you wouldn't see on a plant or in something growing, which is where if you subscribe to this evolutionary valence theory of color, you would say that the pleasure associated with green comes from. Green's my favorite color too. And I say it's because I love that particular shade that grass is after it rains and you can like almost feel like you can see it growing. But that's not the color of the Android bubble. Still, color itself isn't likely the biggest reason we feel icky about green bubbles. And the effects are not that strong. Sarah says it might have to do more with group dynamics. Evolution gave us these modules that make us feel really good when we cooperate with people and when we share with them and when we engage in altruism, but it also gave us a strong module for cheater detection. So we have to figure out who's part of our group, who's part of the group that we can share with and who's part of the group that we don't share with, that we have to keep away from. And color is a very good cue to this uh, group membership or identity. So to the extent that we feel like someone belongs to our group, we'll have positive emotions towards them. And then when we feel like they don't, we'll have these judgmental uh, reactions to them. So it's possible that Apple has a diabolical plan to make us feel as if Apple and Android are sports teams and we have to pick a side. Or to use Sarah's evolution metaphor to make us feel as if we're from separate tribes and we simply cannot find common ground. So I think that Apple, although I'm not an expert on on branding or marketing, Apple spent a lot of time trying to create a group identity around its products, a certain type of person that uses a MacBook, a certain type of person that uses an iPhone. 
And so I think that this color difference could be a way of subtly invoking that, of saying, if it's blue, you're one of my in-group. And if it's green, you're part of my out-group. And that could be where the moral judgment comes from. So Sarah's kind of saying that we can't totally blame color, although blue for sure is nicer than that unnatural green, but we can kind of blame our innate need to judge on this idea of in-groups and out-groups. And I kind of really believe that Apple thought through this and purposefully did this to get us to buy more iPhones. We'll never prove it. They'll never say. They'll never say. I kind of just, like, believe it. But but I guess I'm a conspiracy theorist in a way. There is someone we can ask. Who? Messaging protocol expert and coincidentally executive editor of The Verge, Dieter Bone. It's true. Dieter knows... Everything there is to know about messaging standards, it's its wild. It's his life's work. So pull apart the tech side for us. Yeah. Prove us right. So when we talked to Dieter, he said that in order to understand the green and blue bubbles, we have to first master the messaging protocols and how they work, which is a very predictable Dieter thing to say. <laughs> and so thankfully... He knows this and taught us about it, and we can pass that wisdom on. iMessage works in the way that any chat app works. Uh, it's IP-based, which means it goes over the internet. And you have an iCloud account, and that iCloud account has got a bunch of like identifiers associated with it. So your phone number, your email address, whatever. And so when you want to send somebody a text, Apple says, hey, who are you sending the text to? And it looks inside its iCloud database, and it's like, well, you have an iMessage account, and that person has an iMessage account. So we're just going to make this a blue bubble. It's going to be end-to-end encrypted, and it's going to go over the internet so that you won't get charged SMS fees. And then if Apple's iCloud database sees that one of you isn't using iMessage, it'll be like, all right, well, that didn't work. So just we will now let the phone send a more traditional text message, SMS message. SMS isn't a super sophisticated technology. It wasn't even designed to be used in this way. So we're going to get kind of technical here bear with us, but there's actually now a new protocol being developed called RCS. So the plan for SMS is it's getting replaced by a new thing called RCS, which stands for Rich Communication Services. And it stops using that weird, wacky technical channel and turns it into a standard internet chat like any other, you know, text messaging app. The problem is they have to have every carrier on the planet use it. And so it's only in the past couple of years that they've created the standard that RCS will use. And it's being rolled out really slowly. So like this phone on this carrier has it, but that phone on that carrier does not, or this carrier has it, but it's not using the new universal profile standard. And so it doesn't actually work with anything. We're still not there yet. I very rarely see it. But once everybody has it, then what you'll be able to do is you'll get typing indicators. You'll be able to send pictures with higher resolution and video, and you'll get really much more standard group chat and text messaging stuff, the kind of stuff that people that use iMessage take for granted. The key difference, though, the thing you absolutely need to be aware of is RCS follows the same rules as SMS. It's not end-to-end encrypted, and so the carriers can store your messages, and if the government asks for them, the carriers are very likely to turn it over because they are much more likely to turn over user data than, you know, a company. Okay, so this RCS protocol could make iMessage a little bit more complicated. So if we thought it was just blue and green were bad, imagine a third color. Apple has not said a single word about RCS, and believe me, I ask them 
all the time. And so the question is, does Apple think that it is, you know, against its interests to allow this RCS standard to go out there? But it's also like a privacy question because RCS isn't end-to-end encrypted. Maybe Apple thinks it's a really good idea for them to refuse to support it because then that will get people moving to some encrypted form of chat. My sense is, assuming this RCS thing doesn't just fail, in a couple of years, it's going to be so commonplace across so many phones, across so many countries, that Apple not supporting it will actually start to be a real problem, and they'll have to support it. And then the big question becomes, what color do they make those messages, right? Like, is it green for SMS and, I don't know, yellow for RCS? I have no idea what they'll do then. So that's super forward-facing. And looking back, Dieter says he sees the reasons for the blue and green, and Apple probably didn't set out to rip us all apart. I mean, the conspiracy theorist in me wants me to say it's super intentional, but the truth is that it's not because the SMS standard is super old and all of the stuff that's built on top of it, like MMS, which is how you send pictures with the text messaging, is a hack on top of a hack. And so... Getting people into a group chat when they're using such a hacky system like SMS and MMS means that there's just only so much you can do when you're dealing with such a like weird kind of broken hack of a standard like SMS and MMS. So it's useful to know just looking at the app whether the message you sent was an iMessage or an SMS because an iMessage has a read receipt, but text messages don't. You know, iMessage has better group chat, all this other stuff. And so getting a green bubble or sending, you know, a green bubble that gives you a piece of information about like whether or not you can trust that that message has been received, uh, whether the person you're talking to is going to end up having all their texts broken up into these weird broken out things because there's a 160 character limit, whether the pictures you send are going to be super low resolution because MMS sucks. If Apple didn't differentiate them, I think it would cause a lot of confusion. Now, Dieter gave us a very reasonable answer for iMessage having blue and green bubbles instead of all blue. But he also pointed out that even if Apple wanted to use the conformity of blue as a marketing point, it has to be careful to not seem monopolistic. Everybody forgets that in like 2001, 2002, the Bush administration created this long report worrying about interoperability among chat apps and made AIM and MSN work together. And none of these companies want that to happen to them because it's really complicated to build one of those you know, so-called federated systems. So if Apple pushes too hard on it, it might draw too much attention. I think they're super happy to have teenagers and my mom or whoever make fun of me for not using iMessage. They're happy to let them do that work because if Apple itself started doing that work, I think that they would draw more regulatory notice. Okay, I kind of see the logic here, but I am wondering, I guess, why Android doesn't have something similar. Yeah. But Dieter knows. One, carriers, I don't think, like iMessage very much because they can't monetize it. They don't see what the messages are. And when the government gets mad at a person, they can't go to the carrier and just get the messages. And carriers like providing that stuff to the government when they get asked. Two, Apple was, when they introduced iMessage, kind of small uh, in terms of how many people actually had iPhones. And they kind of could get away with putting this thing on top of the standard text messaging thing. And the carriers were still so enamored with the idea of the iPhone in the first place. And it was still just had this completely unparalleled success that Apple had leverage to go ahead and do iMessage, whereas Google sort of didn't. 
Google also makes money in a different way than Apple does. Apple makes money by charging you a lot for an iPhone, but Google's always made its money off of you know services like search and this and that and the other thing. And they also sell their phones differently. They sell them through the carriers. They sell them that way. And so that meant that Google never felt like it had real leverage to make some proprietary texting thing the default. It's always been a thing off to the side. And then lastly, there's something to say about Google just being incompetent uh, when it comes to messaging services. They you know, kept on trying to reboot it over the years with different strategies, and every single one of them was a terrible failure. The TLDR is Google feels like it needs to be more cooperative with carriers than Apple does, and Google is also bad at executing. Google is kind of a mess, but they're also missing out on a chance to sell more phones, possibly, and to make more advertising money. Apple is cashing in on the iPhone iMessage clout. If you want to use iMessage, you need to buy an iPhone, and that means that they sell more iPhones. Because if I you know, want to talk to somebody and that person only wants to talk to me on iMessage, I have to have an iPhone. So there's a big network effect there where you, you kind of get locked into it. It's also like... Making money off a messaging app isn't the easiest thing to do in the world. WhatsApp used to cost a buck. Now it's got advertising. Uh, Apple doesn't like making money off of advertising and actually has never been very good at it. And so if they were to bring iMessage to Android, uh, how they would pay for it, much less how they would keep it secure, are both very open questions. But there might be some money in that iMessage store for them, especially if they bring it to Android. But nobody knows how much. And would it be more than Apple currently makes by people who feel like they just have to keep buying iPhones because they stay in iMessage? All right, so to wrap all of this up, I want to point out that iMessage has been around for a while, and we're still talking about the blue and green bubble problems, but Dieter says this probably won't stop anytime soon, so don't worry, Caitlin, we can keep talking about this long after this episode ends. Nobody has come up with a global winner in terms of this like text messaging standard. iMessage is really, really popular in the U.S. If you go to Europe and India, it's WhatsApp. Uh, Facebook Messenger is popular in other areas of the world. You know, you've got WeChat in China. You've got, I don't know, Line in Japan. And so there's a whole bunch of regional dominance, but there's no like global de facto, everybody just uses this, so go ahead and use it. And that means that uh, there's always this sense of like, well, do I actually have all of my friends on this texting app network that I want? And we're just not there. And even if we get there with RCS, it's still going to feel crappy because RCS isn't encrypted. We've done all our interviews. And Caitlin, how are you feeling? Do you feel like iPhone users can't help but judge? I think you can always help yourself be less judgmental. You can try. Yeah. We can't blame our psyches, though. Like, we can't blame the color stuff. We can't be like, I just hate innately this green. Okay. I mean, I think Sarah did say that it's like, it's an unnatural green that's like, and you prefer to look at colors that occur. Yeah. Like if it was a grass green, we maybe would have liked it better. I still feel like if it were like a purple or something, that would be fine. I know. I don't understand why it has to be such a hideous green. This is why, like, despite Dieter's reasonable explanation of, like, why the colors have to be different, I still think Apple's pulling something shady by, like, picking such a gross color that's, like, so jarring to look at. And now, if anything, maybe now that I've put all this thought into it, next time I see a green bubble, I'm not going to judge the person who sends it. I'm just going to be like, Apple. 
Well, that's the thing, too, is that Dieter really brought up how SMS is just a really terrible technology that involves just hacks to make it work. So kind of the takeaway for me is, like, next time we see green bubbles, we shouldn't be hating on the Android phone users, but we should hate on SMS as a protocol. Which, congrats, Dieter, you have, like, achieved your life goal of making me really upset over protocols and messaging apps. Okay, final question. What color do you think a third color should be for iMessage if this world came to be? Maybe like a like a tangerine or a Ooh. plum. Okay, that is it for this episode. We hope you enjoyed. We will be back again next week. The season is in full gear. Thank you to our producers, Andrew and Zach. And yeah, make sure you email us at buttonattheverge.com. Follow Caitlin on Twitter at K-A-I-T underscore Tiffany. Follow me on Twitter at Ashley R. Carmen or on Instagram at Ashley Carmen, which is my new preferred social media network. All right. See you oh later. My gosh. Bye. <laughs>